NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. As always, I'm Joshua Toomey. Not joined by Chris Aiken this week, but joined by Baco from the Cobras and Fire podcast. Baco, how are we doing this week? Very good, man. I really appreciate the invite. I don't get to talk to you as much lately. <laughs> I know, man. It's just like, uh, you know, I, how have you been? Have you been? Uh, have you been good? I haven't seen you in months. It feels like this is almost like a home and home. You were just on the plus one, <laughs> right? and then now I'm on. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm doing very good. I appreciate you having me on. It's weird because on the episode that we drop on Tuesday, LC is promoting a couple of appearances that he did recently, and it, it just dawned on on him that like I have not been a guest on anybody's <laughs> program. Like, yeah, I pretty much wore out my welcome. So anyway, well, you, you have so many things going on over there at Cobras and Fire that mm. we're always on your shows. So now you're coming to my show. Uh, Chris is out with some back issues this week, so hopefully a uh, little T's and P's out to Chris Aiken this week. But uh, you know, the you're in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the one guy that hates Chris Aiken the most is in St. Paul, Minnesota. So maybe maybe your accent, maybe your uh, you talk, maybe you can throw in a Skull Vikings uh, every, every <laughs> once in a while to uh, to to appease that guy. Skull, don't you know? There you go. <laughs> there we a little go. Andy now, Skull. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, nice. I like it, man. Maybe him uh, and I'll look up for a play date. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he he films concerts, so you can go hang out with him there. Oh, um, he's that guy? Oh, I always get stuck behind him. <laughs> the guy with the camera phone out, man. Uh, this week on Talk To Me, Brent Smith of Shinedown was the guest, man. And um, as you can tell, if you listen to the episode, th- those of you that did, uh, Brent and I go back, way back. And uh, I kind of I, I kind of ambushed him with some memory lane, man. I, I think I first met that guy in like 1997. So <laughs> it was like one of my very first ever out-of-town shows uh, was opening for his old band. And we, uh, you know, back in the day when we traded shows, I traded shows with his pre-Shinedown band. Um, but that's the first time I've talked to him probably what, 25 years. So that was, that was a good time. That's very cool. I know LC liked it and I just, uh, cause you always bust my balls cause I don't listen to, to every episode right away. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's in the queue. It's in the uh, queue so. at the bottom. I, no, that's very towards the top. It's like third <laughs> from the top. But, uh, I have a lot in the queue. Yeah. A lot to get to. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, he's, uh, one of my top five current singers, if you want to call him current, they've been around yeah. over 20 years at this point, but yeah, he is uh, a, definitely a generational voice. He, he hits checks every box that I like in that stuff. Musically, they've kind of lightened up a little bit from what, what I liked about them, Yeah, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sick to death of it, but that monsters are real song was a really good song is one of their more recent tracks, um, but yeah, whatever. And I still have yet to dig into the latest record, even though LC had it in his top five. Yeah. It's one of those deals where I've talked with Aiken about this, but you know, you go to interview somebody and you interview people in covers of fire and you'll, you'll go in and interview them and then their music sounds better afterwards. You're like, do I like <laughs> yeah. the music more now? Or is it just because yeah. they were nice to be on the interview? But uh, I've definitely went back to the planet zero record a lot the last few days. And it's, it's actually pretty heavy. So I think you might be in for a surprise when you, when you dive into it. Cool. Yeah, I definitely, I, I did. I actually nice. Uh, you reminded me, I, I do plan on getting back to that, but uh, yeah, I'll, whatever. Um, I'm, I can relate to what you're saying on on that stuff. I think a lot of times what it is, all of a sudden you have a personal connection mm-hmm. and the, the music all of a sudden has a slightly different meaning to you. And you, you look at you, you come into it with a kind of a different angle. Uh, I've definitely had that happen. I, it, <laughs> Michael Sweet was one for me. And then like a couple records more that he did. I'm like, yeah, well, now we're back to the, <laughs> now we're back yeah. to regular Michael Sweet. Yeah. Sorry, very talented dude. That was not a cheap shot, but uh, and a great guest. Yeah, like, yeah, that could be the show graphic. Me, you, and Michael Sweet, man. That was a, yeah, that's a good photo. That was a great night. <laughs> <laughs> I remember most of it. 
Yeah, me uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he does. <laughs> uh, he probably does, but uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully he does. Uh, well, let's dive into some news, man. Um, Lit Biscuit has put out a new video today as we record, and uh, over here on blabbermouth.net. Uh, it says Lim Biscuit uses deep fake technology to in- include Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, Tom Cruise, and more in a new music video. And uh, you said you did get to check this out, man. So what did you think of the video? It was funny. I liked it. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> Biden falling on his bicycle was kind of cute. Uh, Tom Cruise, I don't know, just slapping wieners around. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was a cool tune. I don't know. I, I The whole thing was kind of neat. Yeah, I... I don't think the fun. deep fake technology used in it is very good, though. I did. Uh, I do not think that singer looks like uh, Putin at all. Um, uh, I mean, like I, like I said before, I think that's probably the one I could tell who it was. It was it's like... It's, really, it's, new, it's new metal Putin, man. Come on. You know, I did get like, Biden late. Actually, I didn't until I saw Tom Cruise, and then they went to Biden. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Are these all supposed to be? I watched almost two thirds <laughs> of the video before I realized. I knew it wasn't Lip Biscuit, but I was like, what's going on here? That there's got to be something I'm missing. But you like in the drummer, you're like, he just doesn't look like John Otto. Something's just <laughs> not right. Something's a little bit off, man. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as for the the uh, songs off of Still Sucks, Out of Style is probably one of my favorite riffs. So you were you were uh, uh, enjoying that riff earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. It was uh, that it's it, that's why I, for a second I, I wasn't after watching it. I'm like, okay, this is Limp Biscuit, right? I mean, oh yeah, it says Limp Biscuit. Okay, because like, it was very convincing, but. Yeah, and that would totally be like if if Putin put together a band in his garage, I think it would totally be Limbiscuit. So. Yeah. Are you a are you a Limbiscuit fan? Are you a, a guy that ever got into them over the years? Uh, I'm, I'm probably more neutral than a fan. Uh, I, I I saw them on the three dollar built y'all tour opening for Primus, so that was my first exposure to them. And then, like two years later, they're the biggest band on the planet. Uh, yeah, they got some jams, man. I, I'm I'm not a hater. I think um, Fred Durst has kind of like made it easy to hate those guys, right? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know, whatever. I, I dig <laughs> it. You know, nice. So. Well, uh, let's dive into some satanic panic. I know how much you love uh, the church and the state and uh, hail Satan, <laughs> the church of Satan. Um, I actually pulled up uh, over on the, we are the pit.com. Um, the church of Sh- <laughs> the church of Satan was unimpressed by Sam Smith's Grammy performance is the headline. Shocking. Yeah. Um, let's see here. It says people are pretty upset about Sam Smith and Kim Petras performing unholy at the Grammys. Both musicians went full bore in going all the way with a playfully devilish performance of Unholy, the two of them clad in all red garb. Of course, the point of this was to elicit reactions from those who would be easily offended by any kind of satanic imagery. Uh, That happened. The likes of Ted Cruz and others tweeted out their disgust (laughs) at the performance. Outrage machine aside, one might wonder how satanic was their performance actually. I, I did find out recently because of some blowback from this performance that apparently abortion clinics, in order to get an abortion, they include a satanic ritual. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, uh, if you give me a free satanic ritual, that's just going to increase the chances of me wanting to get an abortion someday. <laughs> According to the actual Church of Satan, not really uh, speaking to TMZ. Wow, TMZ is involved. <laughs> David you know, Harris. They get it. Speaking to TMZ, David Harris, magister of the Church of Satan, said Smith and Petrus's performance was, quote unquote, all right and nothing particularly special. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe it's magistry. Uh, You don't want to get on their bad side. Well, it's spelt all wonder goofy, but I I figured that was the wrong pronunciation. I don't know. Uh, It's M-A-G-I-S-T-R. So. Man, man, maybe it's something new. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, I it's a new thing of the Church of Satan. You, have you not opened your Church of Satan lingo? I haven't gone in a while. No, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a thing you know we did as a kid. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a rough, rough couple days for Satan. Um, yeah, no. yeah. I've I actually have opined quite a bit. I've written many songs about it. And did did uh, a music video related to this where the whole thing is tied to the idea that like music was better 
when Satan was involved and we were we had adults telling us you can't listen to that because of the devil. You're worshiping the devil when you do it. And they would go to concerts and they protest. And then now things got all kind of milk toast because largely I think my generation, like we're, we were like, that was all so stupid. Uh, it's just <laughs> right. music. Right. So we kind of ruined it for ourselves, but yeah, but at least like when Satan was involved, we were getting records like back in black, man, not Sam Smith and Sam Smith, that whole performance to me is like one day he woke up and said, holy fuck, my name is Sam Smith. I need to mix something <laughs> up if I'm going to keep that name. Yeah. I got People aren't going to remember Sam Smith. You know, it's like the butcher from uh, the Brady Bunch. It's like, yeah, just but now we know Sam Smith, Satanist. Uh Additionally, TMZ says Harris and company were far more complimentary of Lil Nas X's video for Montero, uh, which was more proactive than anything Sam or Kim did at the least in a satanic sense. So, yeah, I mean, that was the thing with like Lil Nas X just did this like last year, the year before, like he gave Satan a lap dance and and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So so this is just uh, this is almost old hat now, Sam Smith. I agree with the uh, the the Church of Satan's comments regarding that. <laughs> the Little Nas X song, actually, I thought was a better song. Not, yeah. not a, don't really care for either one that much. But that video, that was how you fucking do it. You want to you want to piss off some people with some satanic ritualism? Go watch that little. What, what is it? My name is Montero, right? That, that's what it's called. Uh, like that, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not very catchy, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a devilish watch. That's for sure. But the so, uh, politicians chiming in with this nonsense just shows you how we are de devolving as a society. Adults, we, we have functioning brains, right? We should be getting smarter with these things. You can't <laughs> accidentally worship Satan. You can promote it. It's a free country. It's a it's an it's a religion. But yeah, anyway. You can't watch the uh, Grammys and then suddenly sell your soul by without, you know, at least willing to. <laughs> so Ted Cruz's tweet was uh, this dot 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 is dot 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 evil. Uh, Liz Wheeler, I'm not sure who she he is. Would know. But, uh, uh, she says, "Don't fight the culture wars." They say. Meanwhile, demons are teaching your kids to <laughs> to worship Satan. I could throw up. Oh uh, my god! And your favorite person, uh, Marjorie Taylor Green. Uh, she says uh, the Grammys featured Sam Smith's demonic performance and was sponsored by Pfizer and the satanic church now has an abortion clinic in New Mexico that requires its patients to perform a satanic ritual before services. American Christians need to get to work. Pfizer, huh? I mean, it was, uh, was Aaron Rodgers writing that for, no. <laughs> um, well, you brought it up. I thought you were joking. What is the uh, satanic ritual that the abortion clinic is making people do before an abortion? You know, I, I can only speculate as I haven't had my abortion with right. the, the, so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that um, it's just an abortion. <laughs> okay. Okay. And they, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 I don't know what it, the brain cells of Marjorie Taylor green put that together. Like that, so. Um, so yeah, I think it's you know I'm not. A I'd Sam say Smith it's like, can I say this? Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say it's important to get out and vote, but when people do that, people like Marjorie Taylor Green get elected. So <laughs> stay home, skip it. Everyone just stay home. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it, it's it's a. I watched the performance. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's silly. I mean, it's all the red Satan stuff, and it's you know. It, you know, no, no deicide out there. You know, we need some, exactly. if we're going to do some satanic stuff, let's get some deicide on the Grammys. Damn. Now you might get me to watch, but uh, yeah, it might surprise you to know the Grammys really aren't my thing. So really, huh. yeah. All right. I might well, not uh, be the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Grammys, Ozzy Osbourne comments on uh, his two Grammy wins saying, I'm one lucky motherfucker. Congratulations to Ozzy Osbourne. Sure, why not? If you're gonna, I mean, more deserving than most of the people on there. Yeah, Ozzy was honored with two Grammy Awards for Best Rock Album, his first ever win in the category, and Best Metal Performance from his highly successful and critically acclaimed by Loose Cannon, uh, Patient Number no. Nine album. Mm -hmm. uh, this marks Ozzy's first solo Grammy in nearly thirty years. So. He's he's won one before. 
Yeah, let's see here. Um, I don't know if it'll actually tell me in this story where it was. But yeah, he won uh, won a couple of Grammys, so good for him, you know, yeah, going out on top, real. right? Yeah, yeah well, you're putting a, 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 a ribbon on his career, huh? <laughs> Well, you know his his touring career. You know, yeah, no, I'm I sure. Agree. I'm sure Andrew Watt and uh, Sharon Osbourne will pump out uh, solo records for for the for the for the rest of time. Man, I was not terribly uh, like thrilled with the idea of Andrew Watt getting involved on that on the the Ordinary Man record. Yeah, largely because the little I knew is just Post Malone. But in that time since one, I, I think he's done a a, a solid job on them, both those records. Uh, I, I mean, I can nitpick certain things, but th- it would just be nitpicking. I think the songs are strong. I think the production's solid. And I liked both of them. Plus, in that time, I've actually come to appreciate Post Malone a little more. Uh, so I've kind of turned on him. So, and, But where I'm getting with this, Josh, is that, yeah, he was on the Rick Rubin's podcast. So I listened to it. And what an uninteresting, boring, self-important piece of shit this little kid is. Uh, I was just, I went in, honestly, I was like, you know, I'd actually, let's, let's check out, see what this guy's got to say. And it's, it's really just, it's nothing. I'm like, how, how is this happening? I, I, I can't imagine somebody being that good, that involved in the creative process and being able to jump, you know, from a couple different types of artists and do it at a high level, which he's done. And then also have zero to say. It's just, you know, he reminded me of it. That is Machine Gun Kelly, who I think nice. has actually done some good acting. Uh, I'm not a huge hater of his stuff, despite his thoughts on Slipknot. Uh, his rock stuff, anyway. I literally know nothing right. about, about his rap shit. I, I, I couldn't even comment on it. Honestly, I thought his rap stuff was actually pretty good. but Okay, fair enough. Uh, it, but I, then I hear him on Howard Stern, and I'm like, God, this guy is so boring. You know, he just talks about the dumbest things. And it's like, God, you're... <laughs> What a waste. <laughs> yeah. uh, it says here in the article, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee previously won three Grammy Awards and received eight nominations. In 1993, Ozzy won a solo Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance for I Don't Want to Change the World and two Grammys as a member of Black Sabbath for the Best Metal Performance in 2000 for Iron Man <laughs> and in 2013 for Best Metal Performance for God, uh, for God is Dead from 13. I kind of remember the uh, the Iron Man one because that was one of those ones. I I might be confused with another year the Grammys got everything kind of fucked up, but it was like four of the five awards were for like re-recordings of super old songs. <laughs> right. It was just like, God, whatever. It's like Motorhead getting a Grammy for their cover of Whiplash. It's like, yeah. what? Like, what's That's going true, on? Here? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like of all things, like, yeah. And and I think the Grammys are are voted on by like other musicians and people that have won in the past. So I think a lot of times these Grammys that are these weird categories are just like, Oh, I know the name black Sabbath. I'll vote for that. You know, they don't actually, they don't actually do like what you and I would do and actually listen to all the, the nominees and actually pick out the best metal performance. If I was a Grammy voter in every category, if it said Beyonce, I don't care. I would not listen to the song and I would not (laughs) vote for her. That would be the only thing that I would (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, I did see a, 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 this was almost like a troll headline. I can't remember what news outlet it is. So I, I, I thought maybe NME, but I got to believe it was someone else. Here's the headline. And, I, and this is verbatim. So uh, unknown blues singer beats out uh, Taylor Swift and Beyonce for song yeah. of the year. Uh, and of course, we're talking about Bonnie Raitt. And I, I've since found out that she's the only one in the category, of course, by the way, that wrote the song by herself. But yeah, come on. We know I, I'm not. I can't name two Bonnie Raitt songs, but <laughs> I know two things. She's been around for a long time, done a lot of shit, and, and calling her a blues singer is really pretty narrow compared to what she actually does. Yeah, I kind of wonder on that if that if that's not a joke because every time they do that stuff where, um, you know, they they maybe Eminem throws up Elton John. They're like, Oh, look at Eminem, you know, pushing out this old guy, you know, yeah. like crap like that. So I hope that's just a joke, but it wasn't like, um, Babylon B or the onion or anything like that. So I did check right. it out. I, I just can't for some reason, I think it was in NME, but um, that doesn't sound right that they would go that direction. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Kanye West helping out this un, uh, unknown artist named Paul McCartney. Yeah. yeah there we go. That's what I think that's one I was thinking about, <laughs> but yeah. I like yours too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you're a big Danzig guy, so I figured I would bring this one to the table. Oh, nice. Um, ex Danzig guitarist John Christ wanted Kirk Hammett's job in Metallica. 
I saw that. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of not not a lot of details in this article to flesh it out, but it sounded like he almost intimated that like when he first thought that he was still like abusing alcohol or drugs. And then when he got sober, he started thinking about, well, how could I actually do that? Let, let me right. see if I can't formulate a plan. Um, I don't, you know what? I, I love his playing in Danzig and uh, that, that flesh caffeine record, not much to write home about, but it's his only solo record, but the, the guitar playing is very much in that vein and, and a lot of really good stuff, very raw bluesy, uh, you know, kind of got that darker edge to it. So I really wish Danzig would have just kept that original lineup together. Yeah. That said, I can't. Maybe he's got a, the ability to play Metallica. I just, it, it, it's almost like saying, like, you know, Ace Freely replacing Eddie Van Halen. It just, it, it's like, well, they're both really good guitar players, but not exactly the same thing. <laughs> right. Uh, the article says uh, guitarist John Christ, uh, who left Danzig in July of 1995 after four albums and one EP reflected on his exit from the band in a new interview with Guitar World magazine. Asked uh, what led to his decision to move on from Danzig, John said the band, Erie Vaughn, Chuck Biscuits, and I were in a horrible contract negotiations. Actually, there were no negotiations. Glenn Danzig wanted it all and was slowly squeezing us out. He had all of the support from the label and management, we had no one backing us. Glenn could afford to outspend us until we cried uncle. Royalties, <laughs> publishing, advances, everything. He signed his own deal without us ever knowing about it. Uh, welcome to the entertainment business. Yeah. yeah I wonder how fun. accurate some of that stuff is because, you know, I'm sorry, but Glenn Danzig is not the endless pile of money even then. Uh, um, but I'm sure he wielded some control. And I've just played with a lot of musicians that aren't the – the, they're the to say they're not good businessmen would be an insult to people no. who aren't, aren't good businessmen. It's it just so you kind of feel things going and, you, and you, things are very emotional. And a lot of times you make decisions based on emotion more than like what yeah. you legally could do. Like, well, go ahead. You can you can kick me out on your own, but that's going to cost you because of whatever. Con you know, again, I don't know what the details were. I do know that Danzig has like a basically a kiss version of like. It was never meant to be anything but me and whoever I wanted. It was always the vision that I had. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> right. On, really. it's, it's got my name on it. Um, I mean, by that time, I mean, the, the, you know, this is this is probably the height of Glenn, you know, of Glenn Danzig as a as a as a entertainer. I mean, mother is big, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Danzig's one, two, three and uh, I guess four is out by then. <laughs> yeah. And, then, uh, you know, I'm saying like I, if, if Danzig has all the royalties, publishing advances and everything kind of going to him and then he can disperse it to the band then i would say that, yeah he, he definitely had the kind of money at the time to uh you know outspend them and just kind of uh slowly uh you know wait them out i guess yeah i it, they make it sound low that like it's it's like one of those things where it's like i'm trying to sue, sue big tobacco right. I, I mean i just look i i don't know that he would even got that far it might have got Maybe you had a bad contract to begin with and you weren't negotiating one. Now yeah. you just had no leverage. That to me is, is, is kind of a different thing. Again, though, I don't know. I'm just speculating because I found it interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I, why not, you know, throw together like a reunion show with those four? I wonder if I haven't, I haven't heard shit from Chuck Biscuits in any sense in at least a decade. I wonder if that guy, I mean, he's got to be in his 60s now and he's a pretty heavy hitter, hitting drummer. So I wonder if he can yeah. do it, you know. That's I know fun. Erie could still slap on a bass if he had to. He might not be able to move around, but. Yeah, I will say Erie, though, looks cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, it still <laughs> like, does, yeah. Like, like when I get that old, I hope that's what I look like. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and you know you can't fight Big Danzig, so so you don't, no. you don't want to take on Big Danzig. Um, regarding whether he had plans uh, when he quit Danzig, Christ said, what I really wanted was to join Metallica. I wanted Kurt Cameron's job Same. so badly. Yeah, well, yeah, me too. Uh, so badly that I could taste it. It's funny. Years later, after I sobered up, uh, I occasionally thought about how I would take Kirk Hammond out and get his job. Uh, the only other gig I really wanted was playing with Ozzy Osbourne, but I ended up forming Juice 13, a band uh, with guys that could literally talk a nun out of her panties, <laughs> but that didn't work out. 
Uh, I immediately moved to record a solo album, but at the time I was in a very physical, physically intense relationship with a woman that I met at the gym, which was addicting and that clouded things for me. So it's always a woman. Yep. Adam and Eve, baby. Um, yeah, a lot of the, the words in there uh, make me kind of work, kind of get my mind going to where I went with it. Like, maybe you're just not really that smart. Uh, a lot of a lot of talented musicians fall under that category. But. Right. Um, in 2004, John was involved in a traffic accident, which left him unable to play guitar for several, several years. Wow. John returned to the stage in 2009 when he performed live in Essex, Maryland for the first time in nearly a decade. So. That is what's up with John Christ. You know, a friend of mine, well, actually, he's our delivery driver at, at the company I work for. He's nice. a drummer, um, but okay. so he's, a music, he's a music friend. And he's still living the dream. He hasn't kind of punched his his, his card as, as I have. But uh, he, he's in like four bands. But, you know, you know what it's like, especially local cover bands with, with the scene right. is. He said, he, he told me that this today, and this kind of reminded me that, uh, that he was actually got it. He said, I was kind of got a weird offer from a, uh, a woman at a bar at one of our shows. And he's like, my, he, she wants me to mentor her 34 year old son on the music business. And my first response is, well, why is she talking to you? Uh, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it wasn't a shot. He knew what I was saying. Right? He was like, you're talking to a guy who's in his late forties playing <laughs> in a bar that you're at. Yeah. He, so he was like what kind of stuff does 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 he play like he's like oh he can play any foo fighter songs he wants that job and i'm like and my buddy's a drummer he's like so every drummer wants that job right now it's like yeah right. <laughs> so yeah like yeah you want to be in metallica me too man um who who do you think is going to get the foo fighters job do you have, do you have the down low i know you're a big uh you're a big foo head Sure. Uh, I have no fucking clue. Uh, I don't know that I have a, a care. I got a feeling it's not going to be one guy, but I'm, I, that's just a gut feeling. Uh, the There's a couple of people that played at the, the show that were good. The guy from The Darkness, I think, was a good fit for them. I don't mean this to, to piss on people or, or get rid of the, the... I don't like the idea of his kid, play, uh, Taylor's son, playing in the band, first of all. Right. He's still young, still learning. He he was it was a very cool moment for him, and I would never want to take that from him. And I would never want him to hear this because keep playing, kid. Oh, he will. He listens yeah, to the yeah. show. Uh, but uh, I just I didn't think he was that great of a feat, uh, fit. John Freeze was great too, uh, but that guy's uh, been Josh in every Freeze. Josh Freeze. Uh, but he's been in every band, so I don't know if they want someone a little less known. But I don't know. But the yeah the guy from the the uh, the darkness, his last name is Hawkins. So. Perfect fit. Oh, there we go. From one Hawkins to another. There. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about how uh, Taylor was a, a, an original member. And I just wanted to be like, no, he was not original member of Foo Fighters. No, so. not even the original drummer. Right. Because you know, well, Dave played everything <laughs> on the first two records, but there yeah. was a drummer that toured with them that was, you know, in the videos and on the album covers. Which is crazy because I was a big fan of, uh, is it uh, William Gold Goldsmith? Is that his name? William... Oh, the original? Yeah. From uh what I, I can remember the name Sunny of their Day. band better than his name. Yeah, Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah. Uh, really? You liked him, huh? Okay. I honestly it takes a lot yeah. for, for there there's drummers that are good and drummers that are bad. That I can tell. If to get to that yeah. next level where I'm like, this guy's really adding something to the, the, the project, it takes a lot. Nah, I would put Taylor Hawkins in that category. I thought he Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I'm just saying, like, I was a big William Goldsmith. I was a big Sunny Day real estate fan. So, like, it, it was like one of those deals when when they get the bass player and the drummer from Sunny Day, and then you got Dave Grohl, obviously, put those guys in a band together. I was I was pretty excited for the band. I f- part of me feels like you're just trying to mess with me here. Um, no, no, I'm seriously <laughs> like, I'm a big Sunny Day real estate fan. Their I heard first, about their them. first albums are great. I, I, fr- I first heard of them uh, from the Foo Fighters documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had the, they had like a pink album and then they had the, uh, the album with the, uh, the okay. little, the little people, like the, the, the toys on it or whatever. Yeah. Like great two albums. Uh, kind of like the, the proto, they were like the prototype emo band. Like they were like emo before, like anybody knew what emo was, but whatever, whatever, dude, just whatever. Okay. Let's, let's get back to our slip dot show. Did you uh, did you uh, ever like, see the Foo Fighters movie? Sorry, did you ever uh, check out that Foo Fighters movie? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought, and it just shows you like no matter how big your band gets, you st- you're still like 
like uh, just just a, a, a almost like a local band at heart because like there was that one part where where Nate goes back to Sunny Day and Dave's like you know just boozing it up at his mom's house or whatever oh. and, you, and, and you and it's just like a, it's it's a mess man it's just funny how how like oh the band's over it's like it's like Metallica when they're like uh, they think they're thinking the band's over because Newstead's going off to do yeah. Echo Brain <laughs> like oh it's over it's all over. That Beatles uh, get back documentary was very touching to me in the sense of like, oh my God, this is like being at band practice. Yeah. They're the biggest band on the planet at that moment. And the guitar players being a pissy little shit, the drummers (laughs) just hitting stuff too often. Um, And then one guy is trying to like negotiate everybody to be on the same page. And the other guy is just high. It's like, holy crap. It's like, you know, all the fame, all the success, all that stuff, when it comes down to the four of you sitting in a room, it's exactly the same. Um, But I was talking about the Foo Fighters uh, motion picture, uh, Studio 666, not the... Oh, no, no, no. I never... I I didn't watch that, no. Sorry. Uh, Well, I liked it better when when it was my project. uh, But uh, (laughs) I've heard your your bullet points on how that that entire movie was stuff that you... Tell me where I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, you might you might have a case my friend yeah okay uh speaking of bands that make movies um kiss i know you love kiss i figured mm. i would find a kiss story for uh my second favorite band <laughs> <laughs> um kiss's longtime manager addresses paul stanley's lip sync accusations and i know this is on one of your favorite youtube channels uh the sink and stanley youtube channel yeah um uh, Let's see here. Uh, when Seekin Stanley asked McGee to clarify if he, quote, actually sang, there are backing tracks that Paul is singing to. Doc says he'll sing two tracks. It's all part of a process because everybody wants <laughs> to hear everybody sing, but he fully sings to every song. Okay. So he sings to every song. Good for him. <laughs> I kind of wish Doc would have not taken the bait on this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, come on. What, what a horseshit answer, first of all. Uh, but that whole sink and Stanley thing, um, you know, believe it or not, was sort of inspired by the, the PAW Paul Stanley thing. He, he, I know who it is. He's talked to me. Um, I don't know if he's no, I'm talking to me. <laughs> ah, nice. I don't know if, I, I guess I haven't followed along. I don't want to expose his identity if he hasn't. Uh, right. well, that's not where I was going with this. I have always felt his was a little, it, it, it seems a little too personal and a little too attacky. Um, cause I, anybody not familiar with the, I did a Paul Stanley parody account, but it was, it was largely just taking the piss out of like everybody in Paul's life. And, you know, it, so it was sarcastic and snotty, but it wasn't like, like trying to make a point. And that seems to where this sink and Stanley thing has almost become all about like exposing what we already know. I mean, it's like, there's really no more. I mean, you're not going to convert the diehards. They don't. Yeah. They they don't care if they do acknowledge it. And people like us already know. So whatever. I mean, I, I don't care if someone wants to pay a hundred dollars to see that. I just don't. So uh, it, to me, I think it's it's, it's unnecessary. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on somebody for having a good time because yeah. I think it sucks. Unless yeah, it's a I Beyonce would, I, show, then I have to step back. <laughs> well, she doesn't see because she's a she that that girl could sing. Baco. <laughs> Uh, here, we um, go. here we go. The last, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I've seen Kiss twice on this on this end of the road tour. Been... Oh, what the hell's wrong with you? Um, Sorry, as well, I just was, said, one was louder than life, which obviously I was covering, so I okay, got that it doesn't for free. Count. Yeah, that doesn't um, count. and then I saw them. Uh, I got gifted tickets to. Uh, I took my I took my four year old. I know how much you love when people indoctr and their kids into uh, listening to things that they listen to as a kid. Sure. Um, but I, but yeah, I've seen them twice, and it's funny because in, in between songs, it's like, "Hey, everybody, thanks for coming out to the show." And then he gets into the song, and it's like, it's not perfect. So I, I know that they're like, it's definitely pre-recording somewhere because it's it's not like it's not like they're yeah. pulling the original like seventy-four tracks <laughs> yeah. off of the album. Um, but he's definitely yeah. using some doctored uh, doctored yeah. vocals. Yeah, no, I, I think it's like I said, I think it's been exposed and covered enough. No. I would like to try to clear up some one of my most misconstrued because uh, I have so many of them. 
yeah. uh, statements regarding Kiss or life and, 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 and anything like that. I have taken my kids to a Kiss concert. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's not so much that you shouldn't do that or, or like that. I don't want but I also never really gotten involved in like what my kids listen to on their own. Find, you know, I would, I, what are you listening to? That, that stuff. But it was more, you would never like it, these guys take their i mean they're huge kiss fans they tuck in their t-shirts they take their <laughs> eight-year-old to the show and then they yeah. come away it's like oh my gosh, he was singing the songs more than i was he likes kiss more than me it's like right a kid went to a kiss show and had a good time it's hard not to yeah. it's a pretty cool show especially if you're like eight nine ten years old but that doesn't mean just like dad, here's your big old kids. No, no, you not just like dad. So it's it's that exchange. I have yeah. zero. Look, your kid wants to go, and you get the money to take him, take him. But also let them develop and be who they are as a person across the board. Maybe they don't like music that much. That's okay too. But uh, yeah, that's that's where my stance is. Not so much like you shouldn't do it. Just shut the fuck up, untuck your shirt, and stop <laughs> acting like because you saw twelve other eight year olds dragged there by their parents. That kiss is just they're just gonna keep going forever. Why, why do you even want that, man? <laughs> there you go. There and it was. Hey, that's what I wanted. <laughs> thank, you. thank you for giving me the moment there. Thank you. Yes, you're. Uh, yeah, I I took my you know like my little one I think was four at the time, and actually I took my my oldest son too. He's like thirteen at the time, thirteen year old. Like I I was like, uh, you know I was I was dragging him across nails. I mean he was just having no part of it. <laughs> That's you know, my the boy. Four, yeah. The four the four year old walked away. Out you know I liked it when Gene licked his base, and you know he he had a bunch of like moments, but uh but yeah my my thirteen uh, year old he was just like in hell like the entire time. Right on. He's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spoke about Metallica a second ago, but um, ex-Metallica bassist Jason Newstead is putting together a heavy new project. Are you excited about this? I am. I love Newstead. That that uh, so yeah. whatever deal, but I think it's looking forward to it better than the Chop House band. But it seemed like he was just kind of having fun there. Yeah, it says uh, former Metallica bassist Jason Newstead recently stopped by Gator 98.7 FM. <laughs> bow, 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 the Gator is, Garage. Is that in Florida? <laughs> uh, I would assume so, yes. <laughs> uh, the, Ga the Gator Garage for a VIP performance and question and answer session with the radio stations Jason and Franny. Nice. That's, a good, that's my favorite show. Yeah, I'm uh, a big Jason and Franny guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Huge inspiration to me personally. Yeah, I mean Jace is all right, but Franny, like Carrie's can't go show. wrong. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Franny, Jason's... Franny's the LC of that show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the good sidekick, right? Yeah. Um, asked what musical projects he is currently working on. Jason said, uh, actually, I spent six months of last year putting together the Chop House Band Volume One. Uh, the Chop House Band has been together and making music since 1992. So it was our first album after 30 years. I spent a lot of time on that. And then once I got that under my belt, I'm kind of stepping back into the heavy now. So the last couple of weeks, I've been auditioning guitar players for a heavy project. I'm back on bass and singing with a metal drummer, double bass, you know, getting loud again. So I've got a couple of irons in the fire. I'm putting two new projects together right now, but loud. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I wonder... Wonder what kind of Metallica money he was able to walk away with, and in does does he even get much in residuals? I don't know what kind of deal he had. He didn't have a lot in songwriting, so that means there wouldn't be much in publishing. But yeah, um, well, who knows? Anybody can own anybody's publishing, but I don't think that would have been the case. But so yeah, I'm curious because you know he, he was he was doesn't he was actually ask that question. Let me see if I can find that because okay. there's actually there's an actual uh... so I, you know. <laughs> I always think that's wrong. You know, um, while you're looking that up, Bruce Kulik at the Kiss convention here in 95, a guy, a rapid fire, asked him five questions. And one of them was like, and how much does Kiss was was your first your salary for Kiss when you joined? And yeah. he answered all every question like politely and in depth. And then he's like, as far as the money question, frankly, it's kind of a stupid question and it's none of your business. And he said and I don't think he meant to. I think Bruce is just a robot, but he sounded like a complete fucking jerk when he said it's like, yep. Yeah, 
and, every, and the whole crowd just like, whoa. And then like, I don't know, about 30 <laughs> minutes go by and they're on to yeah. other things. And all of a sudden you hear this guy who no longer has the mic and he's yelling, what the fuck was so stupid? I was like, just <laughs> one of my favorite kiss moments. All right. So I found it. Uh, this yeah, is from metal. This is uh from metal injection from 2017. Um, it says, we also asked Jason something about uh, something Metallica fans have debated for a long time. And that is whether he could get away with never working again and just living off the royalties from the uh, legendary Metallica Black album, uh, which at that time was still selling four to 5,000 copies a week. Uh, his answer was surprising and revealing. Uh, so Rob asks, uh, and one last thing I wanted to ask, and I mean, this could be a little personal, so feel free not to answer this. But something that I feel like I and other people have joked about was that you could basically never do another business venture at all and simply live off the royalties from the monster that was the Black Album because it's still selling like four or 5,000 copies a week without getting into financials. Uh, would you say that's a fair thing to say? Newstead says, everything you said is correct. As far as the sales of those records, is something that's never been seen before. It's this thing that won't go away and everything we could have ever uh, predicted. So that's plain and simple. That's information for anybody to know or find. But early on when I joined the band in 86 and they were already headed up by some very together people, some uh, very together team of management and other people that handled their business from day one, even when I was just a hired gun before I started getting a cut, it took five or uh, five and a half months before I started to get a full cut so the first five and a half months, uh, I was just a session guy. So by April of 87, which was, yeah, check that shit. Uh, 30 <laughs> years ago this month, I joined as a full member taking a full cut. Um, kind of skip through here. Da, 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 da. Uh, so from that time, the persons that handled them and guided them also took me under their wing and guided me. And the people that know what goes on with investments so when we did what we did and we're able to hit what we hit and hit that stride, we were able to take it to the people when there were Jesus Christ, there's a lot of words <laughs> when there were that many 12 to 16 year old male individuals on the planet that uh, played our metal to and came and checked out our stuff and made some bucks and CDs still sold and t-shirts still sold. And we really invested the money. That's all. Um, so the short answer is Newstead was already set for life before the black album even came out. So there you go. Wow. Okay. That's a lot detailed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if you get like, you know, when I, I interviewed Newstead for an hour and I think he will answer that kind of question. Like, uh, I thought it was asked the right way. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it, you know, it wasn't like, how much do you make? It was like, yeah, right. like how much I'm going to let you know that like, I, I I'm not trying to be a dick here. Maybe you want to answer. Maybe you don't. I think that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I definitely, if I ever have a question like that, I'll definitely leave it towards the end of the interview and I'll even, I'll even, <laughs> I, I'll even preface it by saying like, you know, if you don't want to answer this, we don't have to, I know I'll cut it out. I'll edit it out, but you know, and, and I'll hit them. And you know, I don't think I've ever had anybody not want to answer the question, but um but yeah, if you you ever have something like that in there, and I, when I interviewed Jason, I I threw in like a joke that because um, there's that joke in the year and a half of life of Metallica, and he goes, I got plans for those millions, and it's not sandwiches, and uh he and he goes, <laughs> and Jason's response was, he's like, yeah, I you know he's like he goes uh he goes I was able to buy anything that I want and eat sandwiches or something crazy like that. Nice. So, so yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. So go check out my interview with Jason Newstead. About, I think you and about. I should do it like a, uh, an episode where we talk about like the like interviews we did and then the questions that we held on to for the end. Because sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they normally hang up. Actually, I interviewed, uh, I'll, I'll spoil this. I interviewed um, Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols the other day. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. I, I, I asked him a question and he answered it and then his screen went black. And I was like, oh shit. And he got mad at me and like, but it was just a technical issue. But it was like the way it happened because it was I, I didn't really want to touch too much on the sex pistols. I know you because you know, just I actually I went back and I watched all these years of interviews with him. And it's like there's one from 79, there's one from 83. It's like every every year there was there's an interview, and it's always 
so why did you leave the sex pistols? <laughs> and so, well, he was uh, like the, uh, the wizard behind the curtain. It yeah. Was, uh, uh, he basically played the parts that what's the nuts couldn't, uh, John, yeah. not Johnny rotten. The, the, Sid Sid Vicious. Vicious. Yeah. He, and he actually talked about, uh, I guess, um, uh, he was in a band with Sid after the sex pistols for a little bit. Like, I guess he played bass for Sid vicious, like in Sid's post, Sex Pistols band, I guess, before he died, but hmm. but yeah, it, it was a fun interview. I would that's kind of one I kind of wish I had a do over just because I didn't know how he was gonna be, and now that I know how he's gonna be, I think I could have uh, approached the interview a little bit differently. He was okay. fun, yeah. he was he was all about you know talking about the Sex Pistols, so I kind of wish I would have uh, brought it up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I don't know what I would definitely be getting into the Sex Pistols stuff. I had. Not to sidetrack us too much, because I've already no. done that several times. Uh, I had a very similar vibe to the Daryl Hall interview, because a couple yeah. of things, they tried to get me, uh, asked if I could start 10 minutes early, and I was literally in the bathroom when they were calling me. And I'm like, <laughs> nice. you know, it was a nice get, but I'm like, I can't take this call right now. And then I call him back, and then like, um, he said something that I think, when I listened to it back, I didn't hear what the way I heard it when the first time, but it sounded salty. And then yeah. I, all of a sudden it, it, it affected like half of my questions and it threw me off my <laughs> game. And, and I, and I'm like, you know what, man, you, you really need to just get in the moment and, and stick there. That's when you do the best. Uh, Cause I listened to that interview. Set, like I didn't listen to that one for a, a couple months because I was like, I don't, I'm, I have to put it out obviously, but yeah. I, I don't think this is very good. And it, look, not the greatest interview I did, but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It was, it was much better after a little time go by, but yeah, I, cause yeah. Then I think right away my head was like, you, you fucking, yeah, you, got <laughs> you are the worst. You are the worst. Screaming at yourself in the Don't mirror. Don't read the YouTube comments. <laughs> my favorite part of the interview. And, uh, is at the very beginning when you're like, you got inducted into the rock, uh, rock and roll hall of fame with kiss. So, so do you know them? <laughs> like, you know, it's almost like a, like a Chris Farley show kind of <laughs> answer question. <laughs> he, was, he was actually pretty nice about that. Yeah, he was fun. I, but yeah, he definitely doesn't like old uh, 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 John Oates. <laughs> right. But, and I knew he was kind of chippy. And I was, I'm, yeah. I, actually, I, I've done interviews with guys like that. And they're Steve Albini, one of my favorite conversations yeah. with that motherfucker. And boy, he, <laughs> he's got an edge to him, man. <laughs> yeah, I was almost actually kind of waiting for more edge out of Glenn Matlock, but he actually ended up being like just a, like a good old guy, you know, so. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, good because time. for them right now, it's basically uh, Johnny Rotten on one side, and then him and uh, Steve Jones on the other, right? Like, yeah. like we want to do all this stuff, and Johnny's like, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> I did ask him uh, a fun one was like, what what did he think that the kind of the pulp punk culture is still kind of around? And he's like, oh yeah, all these fakes out there with their like their cookie cutter punk. Yeah, look. I was like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but uh, fuck that, man. Yeah, I think you're, early on, Elsie and I had a conversation about punk, and then he started getting going. I'm like, wow, we really, when that term gets definition. thrown out, have very different views on what they are. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, last thing before we get into some uh, re- uh, recommendations for the week, man. Um, you know, th- this uh, this episode will be out uh, on a Thursday, but upcoming next Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And, and you know, you have a significant other, old, old toots up there. And, and, <laughs> and, and I talk about my wife on here. So let's, uh, yeah, here's a, here's a, a list of 14 awesome metal love songs that aren't Ooh. balanced. So if you want a little uh, on Tuesday, you want to put these songs on. Something to seal and, the deal. Uh, and and it, yeah, it might seal the deal, you know, might get a little, uh, little snuggle up with the love there. Uh, this comes from Loudwire. So uh, there, there's really <laughs> I actually no, really like these. I do. Uh, this really has no, uh, th- there's no ranking here. This is just 14 songs, uh, heavy metal love songs that aren't ballads. And, uh, you know, fittingly, the very first song is This Love by Pantera. Um, for all the chest pumping machismo, Phil Anselmo <laughs> always presented a shred of sensitivity and on Pantera's vulgar display of power, he welcomed the listeners into his love-torn mind. This love finds the singer embattled, struggling uh, struggling to pre- uh, process his emotions and unsure if he's been hurt or if he's caused the pain to both parties himself. The lyrics are, 
<laughs> I'd been tempting the one, stole her from herself. This gift is gift in pain. Her pain was life. And sometimes I feel so sorry. I regret this, the hurting of you, but you make me so unhappy. I take my life and leave love with you. So do you think you'll be turning on some Pantera for the, uh, for the lady of this, this Valentine's day? Probably not, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, if that one doesn't do it for you, NIB by Black Sabbath. Um, even Black Sabbath <laughs> felt the temptation to use love as a lyrical device on their ominous haunting debut. Wow. While, the true, meaning, <laughs> <laughs> while the true meaning of the title of NIB remains veiled, what is for certain is that it is a love song about the devil. <laughs> and there's a little devil in everyone, right, Sam Smith? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I have you with me under my power. Our love grows stronger now with every hour. Look into my eyes. You'll see who I am. My name is Lucifer. Please take my hand. Man. You, you, you I, not I, that one? I always, trust me, just you reading those lyrics back to me took me back to like, my pre-pube bedroom listening to that with the, the lights <laughs> off and the headphones on like, Oh my God, I think I just worship Satan. Um, <laughs> right. uh, and, and then Ted Cruz tweeted about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, American, yeah. American Christians need to get together because of you now. I'm looking forward to the rest of the list now as I'm getting at now. Now I see where they're going. Um, that, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, a couple of these, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I know these songs. So right here in my arms by him, uh, I'm assuming uh, a lot of his songs are about some sort of, uh, 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 tortured love. Well, him is actually a band. Um, right. oh, you, I thought you said his, uh, it, it's because it, it's H I M, right? It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the heart of Graham people. Uh, I have yeah, one of the yeah. records. It's pretty good. I don't know that that song's on it. Uh, the lyrics are, she is smiling like heaven is down on earth. Sun is shining so bright on her and all her wishes have finally come true. And her, her heart is weeping. This happiness is killing her. So most likely, most likely a love tune. I, uh, I was supposed to interview, uh, what's his name? Like Valley Valo. Val Valo. <laughs> yeah. He just dropped I, so, a new record. Is that, was it recent? I take it then. Yeah. 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 So I listened to that album like five times in a row to kind of get ready for it. And then the interview never came through. So, okay. Actually <sighs> you were talking about, I was like, God, I got to download that record. Cause I wanted to check it. Is it any good? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, it sounds like a him record. So if you like he, him, he, then he claims he got roofied in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> was it you? No. Okay, <laughs> um when the wind when the wild wind blows by iron maiden i don't even know uh, this one this has to be like of their later years uh yeah it says it it's took 30 years, in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah blaze bailey was uh you know if you want some love you you put on some blaze bailey era oh yeah uh it took 30 years into their professional career for iron maiden to finally write a love song of course, the song takes place at the end of days, threatens the world. In the, in the song, a couple make a suicide pact, preparing their fallout shelter for the inevitable moment, which sounds like, like a Tuesday for you. Um, the star-crossed <laughs> lovers... sounds like the way Hitler went out. <laughs> or that. Uh, the star-crossed lovers took their poison a little too early, unaware that the world didn't end after all. Hmm. So... So it is very um, Romeo and Juliet, doesn't? Isn't that how that ends? Like it turns out they 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 the one wasn't dead, so the other one kills himself, thinking they were, and then the other one wakes yes. up and finds out. Okay, yeah. yeah, and that's that's Romeo and Juliet. Yes, thank you, Shakespeare. Thank you, Bill. Bill <laughs> thank you, Bill Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, this one I know you'll you'll enjoy. Love Zone by Judas Priest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ram It Down was another one of Judas Priest's experimental <laughs> albums <laughs> coming off the heels of the synth-charged Turbo. I will be playing Ram It Down uh, as we <laughs> enter the boudoir on uh, yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> Ram It Down with a couple winks at her. Um, wink, it displays some heavier moments, but was still laser-focused on beat-driven anthems. And while Love Zone wasn't a smash success, it does the job here. Rob Halford searing highs discharge discharge Does hot job, and horny baby. lines yeah. 
Yeah, these have hot and horny lines about the nighttime street merchants with skin for sale. You know, the 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 edge is kind of taking off these. uh, If you're not gay, I think. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Anyway. Yeah, I think the. uh, It's hard to to not think of, of, of Rob Halford as a gay man listening to his lyrics. So yeah, I don't. I, I, he never, I, he never showed it off. Okay? <laughs> no, I think back then maybe, but you know, we all know now. So, um, good, I definitely good, good for not him. Know. Nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah, to eat, you know, whatever he wants to do. Good for him. Uh, girl in a Slayer jacket. Girl in the Slayer jacket by Pig Destroyer. Um, you know, I think I that that this, but I will be listening to this very shortly after we're done tonight. Yeah, I, I think that you know. Everybody is falling in love with a girl in a Slayer jacket. Yeah. There's always like uh, two at a, at a Slayer concert. Girls, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> girl at the girl at the Slayer show might as well be what this says. Uh, we know what you're thinking. Is Pig Destroyer really appropriate for Valentine's Day? This track recounts the girl in the Slayer jacket giving someone their first kiss in seventh grade. But after the opening lines, it all goes south. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Describing the girl's eventual suicide and how Slayer nearly took the blame, but it was a beautiful relationship while it lasted. Okay. Uh, The lyrics are her parents tried to sue Slayer. They blamed her boyfriend and the PCP, but the truth is in her eyes (laughs) had been dead since she was five. She hadn't, (laughs) she just hadn't disposed of her body. So that's poetry right there. Now that's fucking Shakespeare. Uh, yes, that yeah. is definitely Shakespeare. Uh, Love you to death by typo negative. Now this is a good one. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm surprised. Getting, there's uh, not a lot more typo on this list. You know, uh, it should just be 14 typo songs that will get yeah, you. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, what list of love would be complete without the presence of the, uh, sarcastic, charmingly witty, black-hearted, romantic Peter Steele. On Love You to Death, the hulking, typo-negative frontman deployed the verbal caution, wet floor signs as his baritone croon pined for a lifetime of submission and worship. I just thought it was like Peter entered his teen years, his mom looked at her father and his father one time and said, maybe Peter wasn't the best name. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Steele. Uh, yeah. Have, have I told you the story of my friend that when we met Peter Steele, my friend had the playgirl that Peter was in, had him sign it, and then jokingly said, Peter, you're hung like a horse. And and Peter looks at us and goes, Yes, my mother was a mule. That's amazing. That's my Peter Steele story. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, man. <laughs> Um, a couple more for you. <laughs> Falling in love by the score uh, by Scorpions. Are you familiar with this one? No, uh, I'm well. I'm not the biggest Scorpions guy, but this this is clearly not a, a single. Uh, this was on Animal Magnetism. Okay, so it's old. Yeah. Um, we'll skip over that one because I know you'll know this one. Uh, L O V E Machine by Wasp. Fuck yeah, baby. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the band who authored Animal, Fuck Like a Beast comes, uh, is it Love Machine or L-O-V-E Machine? How, I think how they the say, well, fans? it's, you're not wrong either way, but it's Love okay. Machine, yeah. L-O-V-E, all I need's my love machine, no. There you go. <laughs> a less egregious, but still uh, <laughs> reprehensible track all about carnality. Oh, man, the, the guy was just having the uh, as a wordsmith who wrote this. There we go. Make no mistake, this song is more about hot and wild loving than pure and separable love. But when things are going steady and the blood flow increases, Wasp have the soundtrack to your night. I I appreciate my dad more when I listen to Wasp nowadays because there's not a lot of salty to the lyrics on the, the first couple of records and, <laughs> and God bless his heart. My dad, uh, he was, he was definitely not in that, that, that vein of music. He, he not a hard rock guy, but he, uh, he supported his boy. He's like, well, he likes this stuff. What do I care? So love you, dad. <laughs> RIP dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
All right, we'll do one more, and then we'll get into some recommendations and get out All of right, here. Man. Uh, You're in Love by Rat. Wow. I, the way this list was going, I'm surprised this is in there. Anyway, what does it say? <laughs> uh, this is a song that was probably written in under 10 minutes. <laughs> There's no lip-biting sexiness, no tur-curling uh, double entendres, just straight-up love-struck emotions from Rat. Is there anything more innocent than catching a flash of someone and swelling with affection? Swelling uh, for, for <laughs> all of the glams, of pants, yeah. for all of the glams, debaucherous days. This one kept it nice and PG. Uh, the lyrics are You take the mi- uh, midnight subway train, you're calling all the, all shots. the shots, you're lucky, like you're struck by lightning. lightning. You're, you're in, love. in love. I always like, yeah. I was like, You're in love, like, like <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> you like getting pissed on, don't you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely your uh, <laughs> like twelve-year-old Baco. Stephen Piercy said, "You're in love, like you're in love." One of my favorite rat, <laughs> one of my favorite rat tunes. But yeah, I, they were going so dark and heavy with all this shit, and then to come up with that kind of like little fluffy thing at the end there, nah, whatever. Uh, you know, so so if you need a. Uh, Head over to Loudwire for the 14 awesome heavy tracks that are uh, not ballads if you want to spice up your Valentine's Day. And happy Valentine's Day. There you go. Happy Valentine's Day because we love love here at the Talk To Me podcast. Oh, we love love. <laughs> All right, man. So I asked you for uh, for some reviews, recommendations for the week. And if you want me to, I'll go first. And sure. uh, and you can, I'll give you the, the floor at the end here. Um, a TV recommendation. Um. Uh, which was actually a recommendation from a week or so ago was uh, is still poker face. Uh, watched a few more episodes of that. Um, it is on Peacock. I think I said it was on Netflix. If you ever want to know if people are actually listening to your show, say a show is on the wrong streaming network and they will get you because, <laughs> because I've now done that twice on the yeah. podcast and uh, I get instant messages YouTube comments and uh, you know, you know, Facebook comments and everything else. So, so yes. So poker, poker face is on Peacock and uh, so far so good, man. It's, it's a little uh, uh, murder. They, what did they call it? Murder of the week. A uh, little, little mini stories and stuff, you know, with, with uh, Natasha Leone. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a good time. And then uh, musically uh, the band sleep token. Um, they've been like, uh, their PR push over the last week or so has just been amazing. Like everybody's writing about them talking about how, like they're speaking of Valentine's day, they're, they're like the horniest new band out. Um, they definitely got some of that, like the Deftones vibe to them, maybe a little bit of tool vibe to them. Um, and I, I was like, you know what, if, if they're going to call this band, like the next, the horniest band out, I'm going to check them out. And uh, if you're going to check out sleep token, make sure you check out the song, uh, the summoning first. And I think that's a pretty good blueprint of what they do. And uh, yeah, so check out Sleep Token and continue to watch Poker Face on Peacock. I, I I'm not a big Natasha Leone fan. That's why I've stayed away from Poker Face. But I've heard nothing but great things about it. So I think eventually I'm gonna get into that one. Um, well, you know what? Uh, it's not necessarily a new show, but we it is on Peacock, and we recently watched it. If you haven't watched Doctor Death, I. It, I highly recommend it. It's actually um, rescripted, kind of like what the God Netflix did this with another show, uh, like something eighty one experiment eighty one or something like that. But anyway, uh, that was all fiction. This is uh, based on a true story podcast called Doctor Death. It's about a guy named uh, uh, Doctor David Dunch, and it basically, I don't want to ruin too much of it because actually, it was more enjoyable to find out that there was actually some truth to all this stuff. But yeah, it, it, it stars Pacey from uh, Dawson's Creek as Dr. <laughs> Dunch. And it's like a 10 part series on Peacock. My wife and I both enjoyed the hell out of it. It's really well done. Um, you the know what? Uh, Vanderbeek. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I like the beak. Uh, yeah. You don't want my life. I don't want your life. I had the, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Underrated sports movie. Uh, a stupid teen movie is that uh, Varsity Blues. I love it. Yeah, good one. Uh, um, and then you know what? Um, I'm just gonna go with a movie recommendation. I watched this recently. It's up for a bunch of Oscars and Golden Globes. I apparently, I, first of all, I, I think I may have heard of it, but it really didn't register to me until they were being nominated for so much stuff. And my wife watches the Golden Globes, and she will be watching the Oscars. But everything, everywhere, all at once. It has the, the lead male actor is short round. The guy who played short oh, yeah, round yeah, in, yeah. in Indiana Jones. Uh, but I think I, 
if you haven't seen the trailer for this, I would I recommend don't. <laughs> uh, right. because I was just blown away and shocked at what this movie I was like okay I this is it, it's it's really cool but it's out there and it's a little uh little trippy but uh I fuck Josh that's either on Netflix Peacock or Paramount Plus oh you better get it right <laughs> <laughs> one of those three yeah. uh, I, I know it's not on Disney Plus it's not on Hulu uh, <laughs> the um the way you said that, my my, I talked to my cousin the other day, and because uh, he got married, and I was like, "Why didn't you invite me to your wedding?" You know, I was like, "I didn't really want to go. I just was yeah. giving him shit." And uh, he goes, "He goes, yeah, man. I took my uh, took my uh, uh, honeymoon to to New Orleans." And he goes, "Man, if you ever get a chance to go to New Orleans, don't." <laughs> just, just like the way he said it was so positive, and then he goes, "Don't." And then he starts talking about all the the, the homeless and the crime, yeah. and uh, you know, which. It had to be pretty bad for him to be complaining about it. Wow, he's not you know he's not like clutching his pearls as he walks around you know the French Quarter. So it's weird that you say that because like that that city is always on the radar to go to. Like you know when when we where do we want to go this year? But in the back of my head, I'm like, if it's not like during Mardi Gras, isn't it really just like a small version of Vegas? Because you have basically the French Quarter. The three or four blocks of everything party, and if you don't stay right there, I've never heard good things. Unless yeah. you like going to see cemeteries and voodoo doctors, which that would probably be the fun part. Of it. I I I played a sh- I played a few shows there in the '90s, so we we would go and explore New Orleans and the French Quarter and stuff. But like, I haven't been back since, so I don't know how you know how if it's been built up or whatever. But you know, yeah, good. So. So our, our <laughs> Sean Payton, yeah. uh, beignets. Uh, we're just yelling things we know about New Orleans. <laughs> Superdome. There we go. I was raped there during the hurricane. I love that uh, place. Well, not too. All right, all right. <laughs> well, I think that will do it for another episode of Talk to Me here on NotFest.com. Baco, thanks for uh, for for jumping in last minute for here for uh, Chris Aiken. I'm always there for you, buddy. <laughs> so just uh where can everybody find you on the old internet you know just uh <laughs> google cobras and fire podcast it's a key to put the word podcast in there uh and then you'll you'll find us we're basically on every podcast player uh and uh we also you, you can go to cobras and and all the links to all the youtube twitter all the nonsense it, it's it's all right there yeah check us out if you do check us out uh give us a rating give us a, a review do a, do a shared, all that good stuff that we are just probably the worst show at promoting. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, yeah. And, and if you like listening to the sound of this guy, there's, I don't know, about, <laughs> I think we have a, close to 500 total episodes and you're on 173 of them as of today. I think so. I am, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, have you ever thought about like reading reviews on your on your podcast and maybe like, you know, uh, begging for them? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've done it. Uh, and then we just stop. Uh, I would like to, I, you know, I always like to blame everything on my co-host, but the reality is, is that, uh, well, you've done, you've now done a football podcast with me for a full season. You know, when it comes to structure and remembering to hit things at a certain point, I am really bad at it. So it's nice to have, uh, anchors like yourself and, and Gene around to, <laughs> to take care of that, that, that kind of stuff. Hey, you forgot to, uh, do this thing. Oh, that's right. We're doing that. But yeah, so. <laughs> nice. Anyway. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Talk to Me here on NotFest.com. So until next uh, next Thursday, I am Joshua Toomey, and we will talk to you guys soon. The Talk to Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk to Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk to Me podcast. Talk to Me.